Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. Reflections from the Heart is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a family ministry of Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join us as we break open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for this Sunday's Mass, as we invite the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers to inspire us today. And now, here is your host with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome, everyone, to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today, I'm joined by Rob Longo, Tom DeAngelis. Welcome, one and all. Thanks, Thanks David. David. Awesome, awesome. Everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verse 1 and 7 through 14. But before we break open the bread of life, Rob, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit in so we can hear what we're to hear and respond to that ever-present calling of our Lord Jesus Christ? I would love to. In the name of the Father, Father, Son, Son, Holy Spirit, Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Lord, you are so good. Thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your patience. Please open our hearts to receive your word as we break open the gospel and and pull and share with each other here in the studio and, and people listening. Uh, that they're, you know, they're, they're being fed and they're listening, but maybe they're sharing uh, wherever they are. Lord, just bless each and every one of us. Fill us with your love so we can then be a blessing to the people in our lives. Help us to hear with new ears, to have a heart that's open to receive the call that you have for each one of us so that we can live the gospel. We can live it in our families, with our friends, in our schools, in our places of work, on the ball field, everywhere we go. Lord, please help us to be instruments of your peace and your love. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. 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 And Tom, do you mind giving us a little gospel love today? Sure. Again, it's from Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 1, and then verse 7 to 14. On a Sabbath, Jesus went to dine at the home of one of the leading Pharisees, and people were there were observing him carefully. He told a parable to those who had been invited, noticing how they were choosing the places of honor at the table. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not recline at table in a place of honor. A more distinguished guest than you may have been invited by him, and the host who invited both of you may approach you and say, give your place to this man and then you would proceed with embarrassment to take the lowest place. Rather, when you are invited, go and take the lowest place, so that when the host comes to you, he may say, My friend, move up to a higher position. Then you will enjoy the esteem of your companions at table. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Then he said to the host who invited him, When you hold a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers, or your relatives, or your wealthy neighbors, in case they may invite you back, and you have repayment. Rather, when you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, Lord Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ. As you were reading, Tom, I circled my friend move up to a higher position. What really struck my heart there is we need to allow God to move us up in life into wherever he wants to take us. We 
we too many times put ourselves and move ourselves up, and that's a root of pride, to where we think we ought to be, in the seat we ought to have, in the position of recognition we ought to have. But no, the key to this parable in this story, the key is humility, realizing we did nothing. It's God that chose to do everything in us, with us, and through us, and allow God to advance us in the way he chooses to advance us, not in the ways of the world, because it says here, our reward will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So for me, man, I, I want to just walk this out. The, the pathway to heaven is paved with the stepping stones of humility, one step one day. I didn't do it. Live life with a grateful heart. As I go through trials and tribulations, he'd always stop, drop, and pray and say, Lord, what did you want to teach me? What area did you want to grow in me today? As opposed to right away judging a situation, condemning a situation, looking at the faults of the other. Oh my goodness, that's <laughs> that's me some days, and that's not healthy. So boy, when we walk out our life in humility, doing everything to the audience of one, God the Father through Jesus Christ, man, that's the journey of a saint, home to the eternal home of heaven. And the higher position most likely won't be a higher position like we're used to seeing in the world. I'm sure Mother Teresa would say that she was given the highest position when she was in the gutters picking people up who were you know, in, in their last days because she saw Jesus in them. So she was hanging out with, with, with Jesus. You know, when we say yes, when we give our all in, I think we have to pray for the courage to just put, to put all that aside and know when we're doing his will, we are in the highest position that he wants us to be in because we're, we're yielding and surrendering our will for his. And realizing, as the first sentence says, that uh, the people were all observing him. All eyes are on us in the grocery store, in the traffic jam, at the school, wherever we are in our workplace, all eyes are on us. And they're watching us, as the word spells out, carefully to see, are we truly and really a disciple of Jesus Christ? Do we walk in his mercy, compassion, grace, in forgiveness? How, how is our life? Because our testimony is in our actions. Our words, they can be cheap. You know, to, um, to your point, Rob, I think one of the things that, that, you know, that I wrestle with, and I'm sure a lot of people do, is the more you start thinking about humility, the more you realize, and even though this, you know, this last sentence here, or this, the one sentence here says, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I kind of look at that and I think, well, that's not really, Jesus isn't really giving us a technique. He's basically saying what will result from the fact if we exalt ourselves and we humble ourselves. Because I do think if, if people begin to humble themselves for the purpose of, and in some cases, maybe for the sole purpose of being exalted, that's just a different way of exalting yourself. You know, that's False just, humility. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a different way of saying, oh, look at me. You know, I'm, I'm so humble. I'm, you know, I'm Sitting over here. in the back of the I'm church, in the, back in the last, yeah. last yeah. seat. But I, but I think Jesus's point with that, with that last line there is that that's the long, overall long-term consequence. Because he does say, he said, my friend, you know, move up to higher position. He said... Your, the host may may come and say to you, 
but he may not. You may end up in the lowest seat, which is not what you really wanted. You wanted to be at the higher seat, but you used a different technique to get there instead of just walking up and taking it. So this thing about humility, I really think is not so much what am I doing to humble myself, but what do I do, to your point, Rob, relative to my relationship with God? Do I do, when, I, when I'm humbling myself, like Mother Teresa, do I do it because it brings me closer to Jesus? I don't think she did that because she wanted to be exalted, because she wanted to win a Nobel Prize. She did that because, she, like you said, she wanted to be closer to Jesus. And that's where she found him most deeply. And I think that's probably the the core element of humility because one of the things I've I've come to recognize over the years is that we strive to be humble because that's the way our master is and that's the way his father is. Because any God who is God, who then, as our church says, condescends, comes down to be with us and then die for us, is that's humility. That's giving everything, you know, that that we have. So that to me is the definition of humility. And if if we're doing these things, if we're if we're putting other people before us and serving them because we want to be close to Jesus. That's a whole. That's to me the essence of, and that's the point. To your to your point, that's the stuff I forget all the time. You know, I do it because, you know, I want to get something out of it, or I want to be thought of as a good person, or which are all, are all good things. You know, but they're more reputation based than just I want to get closer to Jesus. So I want to be with this person who needs me. You know, you know. In the beginning of the second part of this, in chapter seven, it says he told a parable. And we read these and we learn from parables that Jesus taught 2,000 years ago, but Jesus speaks in parables today. They're our life's experience. I'll give you one for me. For five years, at least five years, I tried to buy this corner of our property to get rid of a junkyard that was crushing cars, was a toxic waste dump, was just an eyesore to this beautiful property, the 275 acres the Lord has entrusted us with, that we want to use to bring them all honor, glory, and praise. And for five years, no matter what I said, no matter what I did, no matter how many times I went back, it wasn't for sale. Couldn't buy it. It just wasn't happening. And I always would say, you know, Lord, I surrender to you. If it's meant to be, let it happen. But if it's not, don't. So two months ago, I gave it my last effort to a no. And I finally said, you know what? I'm, I'm done. I surrender to you, Lord. I'm giving up, moving on. I'm letting go. And the day before an, an incredible event occurred, that lady called us and said, I'd like to sell you this property now. And I was like, oh my goodness, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I heard the still quiet voice of the Lord speak to my heart and said, David, you had to totally let it go, surrender it to me so that you would know that the gift was from me and not by your efforts. You see, too many times we try and put our efforts into something, and then it's our accomplishment, as opposed to living with a grateful heart, recognizing with those spiritual eyes, those spiritual ears, and that spiritual heart that God is at work in our lives. And it's him that accomplishes everything from a promotion to to a, a college we get accepted into, everything in us, with us, and through us. That's the journey of humility. Because in heaven, we'll be fully united with Christ. It'll be Christ who will be living in us, with us, and through us. 
and that will be beyond our human comprehension. So for me, Lord, keep me on that path of humility. Keep teaching me with these life experiences so I can live life daily with a heart of gratitude that I can drop to my knees and just thank you for the gift of the day, for the gift of my health, for all you continue to choose to do in me and through me and with me. Man, that's I'm, I'm all in, Lord. Use me, teach me, help me to see, help me to hear, help me to respond with a heart of love. Do you guys think the leading Pharisees who were observing Jesus carefully, do you think they were trying to you know, catch him doing things right and to praise him and give him honor? Or do you think they were trying to catch him and trip him up and, and what he might have been doing wrong? As I read that, I was, I was just picturing them, you know, like they've always done, just trying to catch him doing something wrong. And David, you shared something with me last week. You know, we're just having some time together, just talking about our families, and, and you really felt the Lord's call in your life, in your fatherhood, particularly to, uh, to catch your kids doing things right and, uh, and really you know, build them up. Uh, so when I read this, I was thinking, man, like how much did the Pharisees miss? Like how much of Jesus did they miss? Because they were so laser-focused on what they thought he was doing wrong. And, uh, yes, I just want to thank you for that because, you know, in, in our lives, whether it's family life or work life or with our friends, I don't know. I don't know if it's just our human nature or fallen human nature. It just seems easier <laughs> to, uh, to catch the things that aren't going well, yeah. the things that aren't, people aren't doing, doing right. Yeah, I don't know. If, if, no, I, I agree with that. I think one of the insights that I, that I ran across I think was a great value to me in working with people in my f- first really big management job was, you know, because I've been brought up in a, in a culture and, and business was like that back in the late 70s, early 80s was, was you know, managers are problem solvers. So you, you go look for the problems and then you fix them, you know, and like you're the guy who rides in on a white horse and the cape and then you, you fix stuff. But what I found was that if that's the only time that you're around is when something's going wrong, that people start associating you. And then it's like they don't want to, they don't really want to see you because the only time you come out of your office and walk out to the plant floor or the warehouse floor or whatever is when there's a problem. And so everybody starts, you know, expecting the hammer to drop or something. But what I found is, and, and you're, you're right, Rob, we do have more of a tendency to, to pick out the negative things, to look for the black threads in the fabric, to pick out, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the little thing out of the, the big, you know, the little black spot out of the big white can of paint or something. But I do think there's a, a value to that in that the, we're not called just to call attention to that and criticize people or beat them up or make them feel bad is to say, well, what can we do to fix that? What can we do to make it better? Cause we're all called to be better. We're all called to be, to the, to be the highest, you know, to, to strive for the highest good we can in our life. Like St. Ignatius of Loyola said, to the, to the honor and glory of God, we try to get better at what we do and do the best we can with our life because it gives glory to God, not because it gives glory to us. So there is an advantage to that. And so you can turn, and I know you've talked about this, David, you can, you can turn a problem into um, a solution and maybe a good thing comes out of it and make somebody a hero by asking, and I know you ask all the time, can I, can I give you advice or can I help you, can I help you with this? And I think that's, the, that's the, the flip side of like, why did God gift us with this ability to, to pick out the most little insignificant negative thing out of a big world of, 
the, the whole world of gifts that he gives us. And why are those things there is to help make things better. And then, and then the other part of it is you end up turning negatives into positives and positives you use to reinforce the positives. So you pretty much can turn the whole thing into a, into a positive re, experience of positive reinforcement. So when you show up, people are like, well, what are we going to do new today? You know, what are we going to do to improve things? Or what did I do right last time that I'm going to hear about this time? As opposed to, oh, no, here comes the boss again. You know, and so, something's got to be wrong. Some of us, somebody's going to get ripped, you know. It's just a whole different way of approaching. But I do think it's turning that negative instinct into something that really works for us. And I know people, you, David, you do that instinctively. I don't know if you even mm-hmm. are aware of it, but you, you do that. You look for the... You know what? You've got to stay connected to the Father's heart, and you've got to stay filled up with the Father so that when you have these situations, for me, your words either bring life or they bring death. And we're called as Christians. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn it. So we're called as Christians to emulate Christ and use words of affirmation. Yes, we're also called to help people grow but the correct way. So the way I always try and do it, especially with my children is, you know, your choices have consequences rather than belittling them, mocking them, making Mm -hmm. them feel bad, making them feel guilty. You know, reality is your choices have consequences. These are the consequences to your choices. Take the hammer, smash your iPad, hit it again, hit it again, hit it again. Things that are on that are not holy. They're not healthy. Oh, it's on your iPad, iPod too? Let's go get it. So those are healthy ways to demonstrate love that aren't destroying the human being, but educating them and affirming them, letting them know, I love you. I'm doing this for your health. And, and so those words of affirmation are so very, very important because they will either bring life, mm-hmm. and especially as a father or a mother, our roles are so critical in the development of children. And the more I let my children know how proud I am of them, and every once in a while they'll say, well, of what, Dad? And then I have an answer. Because of this, because of this, because of this, because of this. And it builds up their character. It builds them up. And I've watched watched incredible transformations. But if all we do is hit them with a stick, Mm -hmm. is, you know, keep picking on them, and criticizing them, we have a chance to drive them away to going the wrong way. Do you, you guys have any advice for, for me? Uh, I mean, I, while my kids are still in the house or anybody listening, I, I, you know, when a father or a mother first walks in the house, and for me, one thing that just really drives me crazy is just the wasted time and the energy suck and the relationship suck that, that TV has or, you know, just... And when I come in and, if, you know, if my kids are in front of the TV, that just, it drives me crazy. Mm. Um, so when you're walking in for the first time after being out all day and your kids are doing things that, you know, that drive you nuts, any advice on how to address that, the timing of the address, um, you know, because you don't want to, you don't want them to dread you coming in, right, yeah. as, a, as a parent. Any, any thoughts on that? So as you were sharing, Rob, I was thinking, well, yeah, walk in with an, with an option. Hey, hey, Robbie, you want to go shoot hoops? Hey, you guys want to run down? We, there's this, this, you know, this is happening over at the park. Hey, let's go take a look over here. Mm. Get them away without 
saying it, you're saying it. That's a but great giving idea. them an alternative of something to do. You know, whether it's go to the park, go down to a movie, go to a movie, go, do something together. Let's go pitch ball. Let's go shoot hoops. You see what I'm saying? You're saying it without using mm. words. I love it. That's yeah. Awesome. So that, for me, that's the challenge. So you're, point. So you're, you're crowding out the behavior with, Correct. with better choices. With, with, with a better choice. Yeah. So now when you get home, they're looking forward to it because dad. He always has a great idea. That's, that's, that's my kids. Whatever they, they see, they say, what are we doing today, Dad? Where are we going now? Where are we going to go eat? I mean, it's, it's but you know what? Because I'm not going to sit down in front of that TV with them. I do it late at night sometimes myself. It's my weakness. But, you know, is to say, you know, come on, let's, let's go do something. Let's, let's go, whatever we're going to do, ride razors, whatever it is, go do it. Yeah. And eventually, they'll look forward to you coming home. Where if it's the first thing you see is the negative, uh, it's going to dread you coming home. Mm-hmm. That would be my counsel. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Yeah, I think we, we pretty much did the same thing. Um, we had one TV. It was in the living room. So when it was on, every, everybody in the house knew it. You know, We didn't have that big of a house. So the kids never had TVs in their rooms, and I don't know that. You know, that I know a lot of people do that, but it was like, if you want to watch TV, first of all, you're going to watch it in the living room. And secondly, if there's somebody else that wants to watch it, you're going to have to relate, you know, what, like negotiate and figure out who's going to watch what and whether, you know. Um, but the other thing is, we, you know, my wife and I just didn't watch a lot of TV. So we came home, I sat down and did something, then we ate dinner together. That was a big thing, especially when the kids were younger, but your, your kids are older now. So, I don't. I really didn't. Never had to deal with that issue because the only time you really in our house were allowed to watch TV is after you had your homework done. You went if you went to dance class or you went to karate or whatever you were going to, and then if there's something special that you wanted to watch, then we'll talk about it. But otherwise, just sitting down and flipping through the channels and watching a sitcom that you watch every week, that just it didn't happen. I didn't really have to deal with it because we never made that an option. It was never. We did the rosary, you know, like that took up time, you know, that, 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 that was, and we have great memories of that, you know, the, the, the situation. So uh, I, I agree with David though. I think kind of what we did though, we never got into having the kids watch it was, was the, it's the same thing. It really was a diversion. We were doing other things we just, and they were so much, you know, more important to us and to them. And we made them important to the kids, like doing homework. Who likes to do homework? But we, it was a big deal. Like, do you finish your homework? What did you work on tonight? What's going on? And I think that's, a, you know, kind of make make that a focal point as opposed to what did you watch on TV or have you been watching this, you know, this sitcom that's on every week or something like that's that. Good. Thank so, you. Right. Yeah. When I read the sentence, rather, when you hold a banquet, don't invite your friends, your brothers and... Yeah. Relatives or wealthy people invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Phew, blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you. And I really think that comes down to the motivation of our heart. Do we invite wealthy people because we want to be in with the in crowd? Do we just invite who we're comfortable with? You know, when I read this, I really was troubled because, you know, I never had a banquet and invited the poor to cripple the lame and the blind. And the Lord said, but you did. Stewardship and mission of faith was founded on that principle. To feed my sheep and feed my lambs without letting money stand in the way. You fed those who were blind and have didn't see Jesus in their life. You fed those who were spiritually poor without letting money stand in the way. You fed all by making a donation only and not charging people for the materials. We've given away over 2 million pieces of material 
free. Yes, we accept donations if the heart is moved, but so we had the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, spiritually all come to us, and our reward is in heaven. And so I realized, I went, wow. And then the Lord opened up another thing. You know, with different ministries, wherever I can donate something that I have, a facility to allow a nonprofit to have an event there, well, that's not letting money stand in the way, and that's inviting all the people who can't repay you with money, but the reward you get back, money can't buy. Well, and too, David, I mean, you opened your, uh, if I remember correctly, you opened your home for Gospel Reflections, yes. you know, and, inv- and you didn't check people out at the door to make sure they were dressed properly. I mean, everybody came. Now, you, you know, your property, the Ironstone Barn, uh, you know, uh, there's Gospel Reflections there. You've sponsored Gospel Reflections and Stewardship and Leadership meetings all over the diocese and in several other dioceses. So, you you kind of have done that. You kind of have invited invite, yeah. invited uh, all comers, you know. Because the other thing is, nobody gets qualified at the door if you can come in for a gospel reflection. You know, if you can read and you can, and you don't probably even have to read. You can just listen if you don't know how to read. So, yeah. The uh, one thing that you said earlier, one of you guys said about doing everything for the honor and glory of God, um, and uh, we just got a uh, a sponsorship donation from a company. And that's the, that's their name, AMDG, AMDG oh, yeah. Roofing and Exteriors, and uh, um, and I just saw that you know saw that come in this week, and it just is a reminder that you know here this guy's doing roofing and exteriors and loves the Lord so much he's not stopping doing the gift that God gave him he's just doing it for His honor and glory. So mm-hmm. um, you know when we hold banquets or when we play ball or when we are with our families when we're working, whatever we do, let's do it for His honor and glory. And for that audience of one, not for repayment now, but for, uh, for, for that eternal reward. And don't miss it, ladies and gentlemen. We have an amazing Stewardship Mission of Faith uh, retreat coming up at the Star Barn Village here in Elizabethtown. It's coming up at the end, in mid, mid-September, I believe. September it's 18th and 19th. 18th and 19th. And if you don't have the funds to be able to help us cover our costs, you know what? We have donors that will help you and sponsor you to come, so don't let that stand in the way. God bless each and every one of you. Have a great day. Let's light this world of fire with the love of God. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, please consider participating in a Gospel Reflection group. For more information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection group in your area, and to learn about all of the family of ministries, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you've enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a tax-deductible donation by visiting stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of all of us at Stewardship, a mission of faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you 
on your journey home to Him. Hi, this is Devin Shad with the Fathers of St. Joseph, and I invite you to join me at our second annual Stewardship Fall Conference on September 18th and 19th, held at the historic Star Barn Village in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. Come and be encouraged, equipped, and inspired. Learn to protect yourself and those you love by putting on the armor of God. For more information and tickets, visit stewardshipconference.org. That's stewardshipconference.org or call 717-367-0100.